0: Good morning. Okay, we're starting a new sermon series today called Practices. First Sunday in Lent. And today we're really talking about give up fasting. But in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about taking up. What does it mean to take up the cause of Christ? What does it mean to take up our cross? And so we're going to talk about taking up prayer and worship, take up Bible study, take up serving one another, take up sharing, take up proclaiming the good news. But today we begin with give up. If anyone would come after me, he must deny, he must give up himself. What do we give up? What does it mean to deny oneself? I know, I know, I know. So we're talking about fasting. And fasting, it seems like, does it seem to you like it's gone out of style, you old timers like me? It used to be that folks, even even in our tradition that does not follow the church calendar, we still had fasting. In fact, when I was a kid, we had these little cards. Maybe you remember them. They were little, I mean, little envelopes. They were about the size of a business card. And it was a prayer and fasting envelope. Does anyone remember that? And you were supposed to fast a meal a week and put the money that you would have spent for that meal in the envelope and give it to, to missions. And so my mom, you'd do that like once a month or so. And so my mom would give me you know, 50 cents to put in my little envelope that was the cost of a meal, a meal at McDonald's burger, fries, uh, uh, soda, for 50 cents. Okay, I'm old. I, that's, that's what that has determined. I think about that. I don't think 50 cents will cut at these. This week, you know, during, we were doing interviews for the ministry, uh, uh, credentials for those ministers in training, and one of those guys uh, was sharing his personal testimony and shared how the guy that led him to the he said, yeah, the guy who led me to the Lord, he was this really, really old guy. He was like uh, uh, 40 Said, I I stopped. I said, What are you saying? He's 40. Yeah, he's 40. Flunk get out of here, rookie. We don't need you. (laughs) But you remember in the old days, it was just part of our culture, it was part of who we were. We fasted. Of course, we get that from the Bible. The Bible tells us to fast through Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus modeled fasting. In the greatest sermon he ever preached on the Sermon on the Mount, do you remember, he said this, he says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. No, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Notice what Jesus says there. He didn't say, if you fast. If by some strange notion you decide to fast. He didn't say that. If you go to the doctor and step on the scale and the doctor looks at you and says, well, we can see you've been eating well this year. If, if, if something terrible happens and you think, man, I've got to get serious and so I'm going to fast this meal because I need to get really serious about this terrible situation. That's not what Jesus was saying at all. He was just assuming God followers are going to fast. When you fast, this is what you do, you know, don't act like those stupid hypocrites. Don't do that. When you fast, when you fast, when you fast. So my question, when was the last time you fasted? Never? Can't remember? Well, last year, Pastor, I started to fast and then COVID hit and, you know, then I decided, man, I'm fasting everything. That's not the point. Maybe we need, we need to talk. Because it seems like. That's an aspect of a spiritual discipline that we have forgotten. You know, we are living in a more and more post-Christian era. Don't believe me? Watch the news. and And it seems like our world is getting farther, farther, farther from Jesus in our culture, the nearer to him. Don't believe me? Watch the news. And, and our response then is saying, listen, we don't want to be shaped by our culture, especially if it's getting farther from Jesus. No, we want to be shaped by Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to think like Jesus, respond like Jesus. Well, how does that happen? That happens as we, all right, let's focus in on who Jesus is and what Jesus would have for me. And it just seems like fasting Is a way of taking a step back and removing ourselves from from even some of those little pleasures that we enjoy and saying, I'm going to focus in I'm going to see what God has for me that's what fasting does for us it it calls us to remember it calls us to the foot of the cross it calls us to to think about how Jesus sacrificed so much and us we may sacrifice so very very little if anyone comes after me, he must deny, deny himself. It's focusing on the big cross. Listen, we have these 40 days, 46 days counting Sundays. To, to figure out who Christ wants to be in us. Sometimes I don't think we get it. Well, don't, don't, don't kick yourself too hard. I don't think the disciples got it either. Do you remember in, the, in, in Holy Week, the beginning of, of what we call Holy Week? Jesus has made his way to Jerusalem. The disciples aren't getting what's going on. They're their, 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 their in the upper room, and it's on this night, we call it Monday, Thursday, it's on this night that Jesus explains to the disciples that the greatest of all time, the goat, is not Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. No, the goat, according to Jesus, is a servant. And so he begins to wash the disciples' feet. The goat. He institutes the Lord's Supper. This is my body, this is my blood. In John 17, he prays a a powerful prayer for not just those disciples, but even for us. Go back and read that sometime. And right in the middle of this evening, he and Peter have this come to Jesus? Can we say it that way? Moment. When, when, remember who Peter is. All the other disciples look up to Peter. Peter is the bold, brash one, right? Peter is kind of the alpha dog among the disciples. When Jesus was walking on the water in the storm, it was Peter, not any of the other eleven, it was Peter that jumped out of the boat and started making his way to Jesus. Now granted, he soon saw the wind and the waves and he sunk like a rock, but at least he's the one that jumped overboard. And it was Peter who, when Jesus says, who are, boys, who are everybody telling you that I am? It was Peter that jumped out and said, I'll tell you who you are. You're the son of God. And Jesus was so impressed. He said, this, that wasn't revealed to you on your own, Peter. That came from God Almighty himself. And so they all looked up to Peter. Peter was, was, was the one that they could, he was bold and boisterous and forge ahead. And so then there in John 13, in true Peter-like fashion, he says, Jesus, even if all these other guys, even if they all fall by the wayside, I won't. I will die for you, Jesus. And Jesus' response to him is, die for me? I tell you the truth Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning you'll, you'll deny me three times. And all the other disciples are thinking if that's, if that's, if that's what's going to happen to Peter if Peter's going to disown Jesus, what will happen to us? Now, they shouldn't have cut them off God. Jesus had told them exactly what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. He's been telling them all along the journey, this is what's going to be, boys. Back in Mark chapter uh, uh, 10, Jesus lays it out perfectly what, what was going to happen in the days ahead. And he And he says, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and they will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, whip him, kill him, and after three days he'll rise again. They shouldn't have been surprised. And yet we know what happens. It happens just like Jesus said. Everything has been happening just like Jesus said. Peter goes out into the courtyard There's a servant girl, probably the least powerful, least influential, least anything that he could have. And she says, hey, you're one of those Jesus followers. And he denies him the third time, rooster crows. Now, Peter's taken a lot of grief for that down through the years. How could you deny Jesus? I think, I think... I think sometimes we're a lot Peter-like. We can deny Jesus too. We deny Jesus in so many ways. When we have a chance to speak up, we stay silent. When we have a chance to, 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 to show the world who Jesus is, we back off. When our culture is going one way, we, we tend to just kind of tag along. We're a lot like there's the chorus in the great hymn, Come Thou Fount. Do you remember that Come Thou Fount um, hymn? A lot of people get hung up on the second verse. Here I raise my Ebenezer. What in the world is Ebenezer Scrooge doing? It's a rock. Here I raise my reminder. But that, the, the chorus of Come Thou Fount is too small on that b- world for me to read. So the chorus on Come Thou Fount says, Oh, how grace, how great a debtor, Daily, I'm constrained to be. The grace of God is so powerful. He said, like, let thy goodness like a fetter. A fetter is a chain, an ankle chain. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Let me be bound to you, Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm more like Peter than I care to admit. Bind my wandering heart to thee. And then the next verse, the next line from that chorus. says, says, prone to wander... Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. We're like Peter, we're prone to wander. We're prone to leave the God I love, we're we're prone to go off on our own, we're prone to be self-centered, we're prone to be focused only on ourselves. Our culture is saying, indulge yourself, do whatever you want to do, and Jesus is saying, no, deny yourself. Take up my cross and follow me. Like Peter, too often we've denied Jesus. Too often we have gone the other way or looked the other way. And so, so, so in the upper room, at that moment, as the disciples are shaken and Jesus has just told Peter, you're going to deny me. And just like we are when we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, Jesus looks at us. And says what I say in practically every single funeral I've ever officiated. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I'm going to come back and get you. That you may also be where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. He looks at us like he looked at those disciples when we're shaken and we don't know what to do when the doctor walks in the room and says cancer when the boss calls us into his office and says layoff, when the police call us up and say hey we got your kid when the, when, when the spouse comes in the door and says divorce when we are shaken when our core is shaken Jesus comes to us and says trust in God trust also in me don't let your hearts be troubled See, this Lenten season, it calls us to remember that even when we have denied Jesus, even when we have gone on on our own and stuck away, Jesus has never denied us. Cross. We're at the foot of the cross. And so we fast to remind us to be shaped into the image of Christ when our culture is trying to shape us into its own image, we're saying, no, we need to be shaped into the in- image of Jesus. And so sometimes that means I need to let go and give up and take, get, get rid of and take up the cause of Christ. It's interesting when talking about fasting, it's interesting what God, God, God requires. God's not so interested. You know, it's good if we, during these 40 days, if you give up something that reminds you of Jesus on a daily basis, that's what, that's what the fasting during Lent season is all about. It's reminding us that when we have been unfaithful, he has been faithful. And it calls us to remember, and it calls us to all that. There's a powerful passage, though, in Isaiah 58. Actually, Kylie Van Van Steenberg, who was up here singing on our Ash Wednesday service, she she read this passage. And it tells us, and we just, on Ash Wednesday, we just kind of read it and moved on with the service. But it's a really cool passage. And it tells us what what type of fasting God really enjoys. And it's not all fluff, it's not all stuff. You know, you know, we, we've, we've spent a lot of money to try to upgrade our systems. were so old and we're breaking down and all the rest. And you couldn't hear and hear and it was terrible online. And so we've, I don't, I don't know that I should say this now that it's mostly all completed. And sorry Jordan, who's somewhere. I don't know that God is all that impressed by cameras and video equipment and microphones. I just don't think He is. As far as I can read, I don't think he used a sound system when he preached the 5,000 and fed them their bread and fish lunch. And, 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 and even though I love our musicians, we have such talented singers and all of that. I'm not sure that God is all that impressed. When we were in, when we were in, in Bad Axe, and for a while I... I, I uh, was pastoring the church north of there as well. And it was just a little handful of believers, about 20 on a good Sunday. 25 maybe. They were the, if, they, if you could have pulled all 6 billion people on this planet, 7 billion, whatever it is now. I believe the 25 people at that church were the worst singers of the 7 billion people on planet earth. <laughs> there, there was not one person in that whole church that could carry a tune. I, that, it was horrible. It was horrible. They sang loud, though. <laughs> if, if you look at, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord, their picture would be there. Here it is. They and you know what? I think God loved their singing just as much as he loves our singing. Because they were singing from their heart and they were letting it loose. And they didn't care that, you know, it was atrocious. <laughs> Carla literally, there was no piano player. Carla had to, after the first week, Carla brought her flute because she thought at least maybe they could keep tuned. So we were accompanied by a flute. I don't know which way you hold a flute, but whatever way it was. I'm looking at Carla to tell me. and You don't have to have the greatest preacher. You all know that isn't me. Happy Thanksgiving. God's not impressed by fancy words, are you kidding me? He wants the truth that's being spoken. And so in Isaiah 58, he's telling the folks what kind of fasting he wants. This is what he says. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? You want me to give up chocolate, Jesus? What about Facebook? How about if I, I give up Instagram, watching The Bachelor through these 40 days? This is the kind of fasting I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe them, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Sounds a lot like Jesus' words, right? Remember, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. That's what's going on here. That's the type of fasting I want. It's taking up the cause of Christ, is what the the prophet is saying. He goes on, verse 8. Then... Then, 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 when you're starting to do those things, when you finally get around and figuring out what kind of fasting I want, it's not simply laying down something, it's taking up the cause of Christ. Then, when you do that, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That means that God's provision will be all around. Rear guard, side guard, all around. That's God's provision. Then, he says, when you're doing that and when God's providing, you will call and guess what? The Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and he'll say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, are you listening, social media? When you do away with that junk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. It's the the old chorus, you know, bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. That's it! This living water's bubbling. That's the promise when we're doing, when we take up the cause of Christ. Your people, verse 12 says, will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be doing awesome things. Even in the church that's 100 years old. You know any like that? And then he says this, and you will be called, the greatest nickname of all, and you will be called... The repairer of broken walls. The restorer of streets with dwelling. Can I tell you, that's what I, it's a long nickname, but that's what I want. I love it. I want to spend myself on the things of God so that I can be the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets with dwellings. What's he talking about? It'll be community. That's what he's talking about. It'll be community. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's community when we're together, when we're all together. It's the Revelation 7 kind of picture when when every people, every tribe, every language, everyone in one voice with loud, glorious, wonderful voice, the former rich and the former poor, poor all together the educated and uneducated the 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 black white brown everybody all together one voice praising jesus that's the picture what type of fasting does god want? he wants us to take up the cause of christ and so fasting from the dominant values of our culture to think about act upon be 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 the people of god that's what he's talking about so, giving up some things during that, that's fine. It was wonderful. I do. I do. I try to think of something that I need to give up. That's giving up those things. So, it's a reminder of what Jesus has done. So, we give up those things, but we take up the cause of Christ to be the people of God. Now there, there's one disturbing story in the Bible about fasting, it's in Acts 23. It shouldn't be too surprising to us in some ways. Acts 23 describes a uh, a brouhaha that developed between uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Paul is standing before the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and the Pharisees who hated one another prior to Jesus. The only thing that brought the Pharisees and the Sadducees together was their hatred of Jesus. So it's no surprise that Paul, who's acting a whole lot like Jesus and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, the one they crucified, they don't like Paul either. But this big brouhaha developed between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then the the Bible says this. It says the next morning the Jews, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, formed a conspiracy. You thought conspiracy theories was a 2021 uh, phenomenon, no? They were having a conspiracy way back then. They formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath to not eat or drink their fasting until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. It's not surprising to me that 40 people wanted to kill Paul. For crying out loud, they killed Jesus. What's shocking to me is that these 40 men committed themselves to fasting for something terribly, terribly wrong. Breaking one of the commandments for crying out loud the Apostle Paul. These 40 men were so committed to the evil that they were fasting. And I look at us, we who say we are followers of Jesus. And when was the last time we fasted again? There are people in our culture committed to doing evil acts. More than I think sometimes we Christians are committed to doing what's right and good and holy. This last little bit, we've seen, we've seen a rise in white supremacism. You kidding me? They're committed to doing evil acts. Violence. Because of the color of a person's skin. And it seems at times they're more committed to That than we are to the cause of Christ. I watched a documentary on billionaires putting their money here and there and all these things. Some of the things were good things. Some of the things were terrible things. And yet some Christians, you know, it's like squeezing blood out of a turnip to, to talk about tithe and church. Ah, oh, pastor. There are too many who are committed to doing evil things more than we're committed to doing things that are good and Right? I, I heard one speaker one time say he was on a plane, sitting next to a Satanist, somewhat an anti-God person. And he told this, this preacher that he and his group, whatever town they were in, fasted every Thursday against the Christian influence in that town. More committed to doing evil than Christians are to doing what's good and holy and right. This summer, you may see some Mormons peddling around, you know, sharing their message, giving up two years of their life to knock it on doors. When most studies show that Christians haven't even told their friend about Jesus, are you kidding me? This season of Lent that we're just entering—yeah, we need to give up some things, maybe. And if it causes us to think about the sacrifice that Jesus did, that's great. We need to take up the cause of Christ. We need to be people that take up continually take up the cause of Jesus, and sometimes that means I'm going to surrender my rights. I'm going to surrender what I want. I'm not going to fall into the culture that says indulge yourself. No, I'm going to follow Jesus and said deny yourself and take up my cross and follow me. It's saying, you know, the older I get, I think. The less I realize the clock is ticking. We only have such it's a whisper on this earth. Let's spend our lives for Jesus. That doesn't mean y'all have to be called to be missionaries. I'm not asking you to go to the wherever. I'm asking you to follow Jesus in your workplace. I'm asking you to follow Jesus in your home, in your school. I'm asking you to surrender yourself and say yes to him. Yes, it may be giving up some things for 40 days 46 with Sundays but more than that I want you to take up the cause of Christ and be the people of God and deny yourself and remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and say that's for me it's not easy going in against culture it's not easy taking a stand for Christ Jesus warned us again, don't we be like the disciples, that shoo, just goes over your head. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. But guess what? I have overcome the world. Take up the cross of Christ. Surrender your will to his will.